Welcome or welcome back to Oswald Didn't Do It, a JFK assassination research podcast looking at different angles of the coup d'etat with the starting point that, well, simply, Oswald didn't do it. So many different fascinating angles. I hadn't really planned on doing so many podcasts, really. But as I continue to do research, I continue to realize there's a whole lot of stuff out there that I am completely ignorant on. And if someone is in a situation like me where they're kind of into into podcasts and they're kind of into the JFK research community and somebody's out there unearthing stuff that I might be interested in, then maybe I might want to listen to what they have to say on certain specific articles and then go look up the article and check it out myself. So I'm starting to do that a lot more. And I'm visiting the Mary Fer- uh, visiting maryferrell.org quite actively and running into things there. And this evening I ran into a name, a name, a name basically an afterthought sort of a name. But there was just enough there. I say, you know what? I want to do a podcast on this. I want to do a podcast on this. And as per with a lot of my podcasts, part of it is JFK assassination. And part of it is, well, there's this other thing I want to talk about anyway. There's this other thing I want to talk about anyway. And it kind of ties in a little bit to the bit I want to talk about the JFK assassination. So if you enjoy listening to me banter, we have another podcast today. Um, Robert Stack and another Russian. Robert Stack and another Russian is the title of this episode. And you're trying to figure, Robert Stack, I know that name. He has absolutely nothing to do with the JFK assassination, and you're right, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Robert Stack has absolutely nothing to do with the JFK assassination, not even a little tiny bit, but he provides a nice little segue into what I wanna talk about. As I was preparing dinner tonight, I was thinking, okay, how am I going to intro this topic? Because it really isn't a major aspect of the case. It doesn't prove or disprove anything on Oswald, but it does bring up some rather curious questions. Um, And it gives me another Mary Farrell article to reference and another author to reference. And perhaps if you are interested in the topic, you might go look, look him up. Doesn't really look to be a whole lot of information out there on this person. Um, But we're going to start with Robert Stack. Robert Stack was an American actor. I really don't know what years he was active in acting, but I know he acted in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. I don't know how much further it went than that, but I know he was active in all of those decades as an actor, and he had a bit of a 
distinctive voice, a distinctive voice, and he basically came up with a subgenre of vocal actors, a subgenre of vocal actors. And some of you are thinking, what the heck does that mean? And what the heck does this have to do with the JFK assassination? Hold with me a second, hold with me. Have you ever watched any of those recent crime dramas, crime, real-life crime dramas, um, like Cops or Vegas Cops or anything, where you have a... Uh, one of the people I used to work with liked to watch a television show where they bounced from city to city. Memphis, Tennessee was one of the cities they would frequent quite regularly. Um, Memphis was a regular on that show. And they would have, well, here's a person who we just brought in, and, you know, etc. You know, here's the, here's the seat, here's the scene of the crime, here was the, here was what the witness said, here was the, and these actors, not, not so much the actors, but the um, narrators, the narrators have the most wicked verbal phraseology, and no matter what the narrator says, it sounds like the most stupid idea you could ever do. Why would you even dare think of doing that? It, it would be. And then he went into the bathroom. No, 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 don't go into the bathroom. Please don't go into the bathroom. Wait a minute, why do I care? That was the Robert Stack thing on the television show Unsolved Mysteries. On this television show Unsolved Mysteries, there were generally in the 60-minute show three mysteries that were looked into. Kind of like current um, present-day podcasts of real crime, except instead of it being a current real crime podcast it was back in the 80s or 90s with actors and um you know taking pictures well here's the boat and then here's the dock where the person was last seen and there was a narrator before robert stack there was at least one narrator after robert stack but the reality is unsolved mysteries was robert stack no matter what and then he decided he was going to go visit his ex-girlfriend. Oh no! No, you're gonna die because Robert Stack could convey what was gonna happen with just merely his voice. And on this show, Unsolved Mysteries, sometimes it was a crime, sometimes it was a disappearance. So you're not sure that there was a crime, but there very well could have been. Sometimes it's just you know, something really bizarre happened. Something, there's one episode of Unsolved Mysteries where there was a church that had a fire and it burned down right at the time that choir practice was supposed to start. Right at the, so, you know, it's like children's choir's practice starts at 7 p.m. And then three minutes after seven, the entire church goes up in flames for whatever reason. Nobody figured out why. 
And as people arrive, they're thinking, oh man, this is terrible. And the thing is, everybody was late. Everybody was late for choir practice. Nobody was injured. Nobody was killed. Now, if you know anything about choir practice at church, if it's starting at 7, 7 o'clock, you're going to all be there at 6.50, 6.45 because you want to you know, banter back and forth and be ready and make sure your gowns are on and all that kind of stuff. But on this one specific day, when there happened to be the fire, when the fire started after choir practice was supposed to start, all 16 of the people or whatever weren't there. Seems kind of odd, doesn't it? You know, nothing sinister. It's just, oh, that's, you know, really kind of convenient that nobody died. Some articles I'm going to run into are just, that's odd. That's abnormal. That's hinky. That just seems strange. And that is what my reaction was when I ran into an article on an article on Igor Vaganov. Igor Vaganov. This is from the first volume, uh, volume one, issue one of Dealey Plaza Echo. I've already done something from this episode, uh, from this, um, from this periodical. So I should probably read a whole lot of the Dealey Plaza uh, Echo because there's some pretty good stuff in here. Who was Igor Vaganov? Do we really need another Russian in this case? Well, apparently we do. Until today, I was completely unfamiliar with Igor Vaganov. I've usually seen most of the names I should probably have seen. Igor Vaganov is basically an asterisk. But my goodness, it's uh, it's so much like that. Ooh, my ears are ringing. Wonderful. Um, it's so much like that fire in the church with the fire starting just after the choir should have started and everybody should have died in the flames, but nobody died because there, there was nobody there. It just seems odd. Here we go. Uh, Igor Vagan, uh, who is Igor Vaganov? Written by Mark Bridger. On the afternoon, uh, oh my goodness, I didn't intend to do that. Uh, that might even be useful. Okay. On the afternoon of 22nd November 1963, barely three hours after the president had been assassinated, two FBI agents uh, visited an address at 815 Sunset Apartments. In Oak Cliff, Dallas, and interviewed Russian-born Igor Vaganov. He was found to have in his possession a high-powered rifle hmm, with a telescopic sight hmm, and a Colt 38 caliber revolver. You can hmm that or not if you want. He had moved to Dallas less than two weeks previously hmm, with his wife, Anne, hmm, and settled into the apartment in Oak Cliff, hmm, close to Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby. On the day of the assassination, Baganoff had rep uh, reputedly returned to the apartment from 
a place unknown. You want me to go with it again? Okay, I'll go with it again. Hmm. Shortly after the assassination, hmm. And told his wife that President Kennedy had been shot. Hmm. And he appeared very upset. Turned on the television for, uh, uh, for the news and left approximately 15 minutes later to cash a check. He returned an hour later, stayed there until the FBI agents arrived, sometime between 3 and 4. They interviewed him. The results of this meeting are unknown. Hmm. But presumably they were satisfied that Vaganoff was not involved in the assassination if, in fact, the FBI were there for that reason. Why else would they be? Um, Igor Vaganov, I don't know. There's, he basically drives from a good-paying job with a rifle and a pistol <laughs> from Pennsylvania to Dallas, happens into Oak Cliff, <laughs> how, how how coincidental is all this stuff, you know? And then shortly after, he ran back to Pennsylvania, and um, his wife—he was basically gone. Um, big enough. We really don't know anything about him. We really don't know anything about him. As far as you know, a after that. Igor Vaganov was born in Russia approximately 25 years previous, but moved to Germany. His mother worked for the British government. Hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> you read this stuff. It's like, didn't I already read this when I was reading about that other guy? <sighs> Vaganov settled in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and worked for General Electric Corporation of Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, earning $900 per month, a good wage, in 1963. On the 5th of November, he left his job, apparently without any notice. Oh, my. <laughs> hey, bye, guys. I'm leaving this really good job, and I'm going with this, um, oh, wow. Without notice and traveled to Santee, South Carolina, with his fiancée, Anne Doolin, who he married two days later. Wow. This is the start of a lightning dash across the southern states of America. Barely a fortnight before. I, I have no idea what to make of Igor Vaganov. I don't really, you know, I'm not going to say, yes, you should consider this an important piece of information. I'm not going to say this is pure, absolute fluff. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just, what? There are so many of these apparently random characters that just pop up into the ledger and, oh, a person with, Russian or European or ties coming from the Eastern Bloc to the United States. I, I don't know. It's during the Cold War, leaves his job, his high paying job, 900, 
and he drives to Dallas just to be there in time for the assassination and then leaves. Does that sound a bit hinky? And then he decided he was going to move to Oak Cliff. This case is so ridiculous. You know, so many people that make absolutely no sense as to why they are involved in it. I, oh, by the way, in his possessions, in his possessions when he was found, he had a um, one of those uh, cut-in-half playing cards that you find sometimes in um, Spycraft, you know, kind of like Lee Harvey Oswald had. So much of this stuff is, oh my goodness, it, 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 it almost hurts the brain because you just keep, re- peel another onion, peel another onion, find another thing that, how, how does this happen? How does this work? I do really appreciate you guys listening. Um, I don't know how I rate as far as storytellers, as far as JFK, um, news commenters or whatever, but that people are listening is like staggering to me. I really do appreciate you listening and... As I keep running into stuff that screwy is all get out, I will probably have another podcast on something that is screwy is all get out, and I have no idea what it will be on next because there are so many angles of this case that are completely screwy beyond belief. So, maryferrell.org, F E R R E L L, um, Dealey Plaza Echo, Volume 1, Issue 1. Who was Igor Vaganoff? Read it if this sounds remotely interesting to you. Um, what I'm generally tending to do is I will read part of the article and then leave most of it untouched. I want you to go do the reading. I don't want you to say, Tim said it so it's true. I want you to say, Tim said it and it sounded interesting, so I decided I would look into it a little bit more. That's what I want people to do. Because if I was doing the, I'm listening to a whole bunch of JFK assassination podcasts, that's what I would kind of want other people to do. Take about a third of the article or a tenth of the article, walk me through it entirely, and then say, does this sound interesting? Go look it up. Here's where it is. Go find it. Have fun. And uh, feel free if you have any questions or any recommendations, or anything along those lines to drop me a line through the um, anchor ask a question phase. You guys are good at this stuff. You found me. You can certainly find the how to ask Tim a question, um, ask me questions, or anything along those lines. Have you ever heard of, maybe you should talk about, Um, but don't worry. If I'm going to talk about something, I'm probably going to talk about it in my fashion and not the way of um, some stodgy person who's trying to sell a book. Because I know I'm not going to write a book on the JFK assassination. However, I do want to try to encourage you to do more research on topics 
of the assassination that appealed to you. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And I will probably have another bizarre story regarding the JFK assassination up rather soon. Thanks for stopping by.